Columbus Blue Jackets are proud to select Jack Wierenski, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, David Yurichek. Welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast presented by Ruoff Mortgage. I'm your host, Dylan Tyre, and I'm joined by the Blue Jackets Director of Hockey Analytics this week, Zach Erback. And Zach, I want to go in a little bit different of a direction with you this week than we have really all season long. Typically, we're talking with Blue Jackets prospects. For the last few weeks, we've started our pre-draft process talking with some people that know about players the Blue Jackets could select at third overall. Uh, when the time comes in June in Nashville. We're really excited for that. But I want to get your perspective on how things work analytically because, you know, I feel like analytics are still a little bit of a secret when it comes to the sports world. We're learning more and more about them. But first and foremost, I'm just curious, let's get started really simply. What do you do for the Blue Jackets? Like, what does your job entail? Yeah, well, Dylan, thanks so much for having me on. Um, so I'm the director of hockey analytics. And for me, what analytics really means is it's really just a fancy word for saying information. Um, most people, the first thing they think of is statistics. Statistics play an enormous role in my job. But really what I try to convey is that analytics is really just putting together all different sources of information, getting different perspectives, and using that, that information to determine what's the optimal strategy to execute on, whether it's at the draft to identify different players that you may be think are undervalued or that should be high on your list or lower on your list and so on and so forth or at the trades. So it's really just using information in different ways um, to really just enhance the decision-making process. Like I don't think analytics will ever replace decision-making as sort of like you just trust the analytics and go with it, but it's a great sort of like enhancement to making better decisions. Do you wish it were that way that you could trust the analytics and go with it? Or do you think there's value in getting the, the complete perspective? Oh, absolutely. You need the complete perspective. I mean, um, especially with really just the statistical focus on analytics, I guess analytics in general, it really means everything. But if we're talking about the statistics, I mean, there's no one perfect metric that tells you everything you need to know. Um, I mean, if other teams want to just rely on statistics and make their decisions based off of that, great. I think it helps make our job a little easier. All right. So how does your job compare to that of a normal scout? Like, are you going out and seeing players in person? Are you just crunching the numbers and looking at that? How does that all work? Yeah. So um, on the pro side, I do a lot of scouting. On the amateur side, I still watch a lot of video on players, but I don't do as much scouting. Um, The amateur scouts, the regional guys, especially like they're in ranks every single day. Um, sort of grinding away at it and just getting to know each of these prospects. And so I just try to assist them where I can by maybe reading their scouting reports and asking them different questions that have different angles towards them or trying to provide them with the statistical information on individual players, telling them, hey, like, I saw you wrote this in your report. Here's what I'm seeing in the numbers. What do you think about that? And so that's sort of the way I sort of try to assist our scouts on the, the scouting process. All right, so how does pro scouting then compare to amateur scouting? You talked about your role's a little different for each, so how does that work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. um, I mean, it's similar, but it's different. In both sides, you're just trying to watch these players and really get to know them, know the ins and outs about these players. Um, The biggest difference is on the amateur side, there's an enormous focus on projection, meaning this player is, for the most part, 17 years old now. What is he... What is he going to be like at 22? What is he going to be like at 23? Um, Sometimes you could look at different flaws in their game as opportunities. And sometimes they're flaws that, you know, you don't think they'll be able to overcome. For example, if a player struggles with their skating, 
but you believe that they have the mechanics or the ability to fix that skating stride, you might look at that as, wow, this is a great opportunity because I see a player who's maybe an undervalued asset. On the other hand, you might look at one player skating who struggles with it and say, the way they're skating, there's just no way of solving this problem. So it becomes a question of projection of if he doesn't improve his skating, is he able to make the NHL or be an effective player? On the pro side, on the other hand, I mean, you're just dealing with a bunch of NHL players. Everyone's an amazing player. And so a lot of it comes down to, does this player fit with what you're trying to achieve as a team? Does he fit in with your systems? How um, how good of a contract status that player might have? What are the acquisition costs? And so on and so forth. All right. So what role do analytics play in the draft process then? Because you guys recently had your amateur scouting meetings here at Nationwide mm-hmm. Arena where I'm doing the interview. I'm actually doing this interview just above the room that you guys were in. I'm up in the uh, the upper founders club boardroom right now. Um, so everybody gets together in that room. Everybody, you know, is, is talking about different draft eligible prospects. Everybody is providing their case for why the blue jackets should draft this player. Where, where do you fall into all that? Like, how does it work? Yeah. Um, I play a pretty big role in those meetings. It's a really collaborative process between all the regional guys um, our director of scouting and the analytics group. Um, and it's not just myself. It's also Cam Lawrence and Josh Weisbach. We work with as consultants. We're also part of that process. Um, and essentially what we're trying to do is when it comes to discussing players, trying to provide the interesting information that we talked about before, maybe talking about comparable prospects, so on and so forth. Um, but there's two elements to the draft meetings. One is the scouting side. It is, are we on the same page with what this player is? how we feel about this player. And then on the other side of the equation, there's the ranking process. And so I think that there's a pretty big difference between scouting and ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult to rank players because there's a m- bunch of different moving parts. Most scouts haven't seen every single player in the draft. And that's especially helpful where an area where the analytics is especially helpful there. Um, and sometimes it's making strategic decisions of what do we want to focus on as an organization at the draft? Do we want to go for, you know, do we want to obtain as many NHL players as we can? Or do we want to try to get as much value as we might be able to get at the draft, which might mean a different strategy of one of swing for home runs, for for example. All right. So how does that, that's a really interesting thing you just brought up there. And if you can find a way to qualify it, how does that work? Because of course you're trying to draft to get Mm -hmm. NHL players, right? So what do you mean exactly by drafting to get NHL players versus taking home run or swinging for home runs? I know, I think I kind of understand what you mean, but you want everybody to be an NHL player, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't ever draft a player and go, I hope this guy never makes the (laughs) NHL. Uh, The goal is always for players to make the NHL. But I think that there's a certain point of the draft where you can sort of draw a line between different prospects and go, this player has a high floor, but a relatively low ceiling. In other words, this player is very likely to make the NHL, or we think he's more likely to make the NHL than some of the other players available, where the other players have more risk inherent to their to drafting them just because they're less likely to make the NHL for different reasons. Maybe they have flaws like we talked about earlier, where skating is a big problem for them. And so it's a matter of, it's hard to correct your skating. If he can correct his skating, he's a pretty good prospect. But if he doesn't, there's a good chance he doesn't make it. Whereas this player, on the other hand, you know, might tap out as a third-line player or a third-pair defenseman. But it seems like they have everything it takes to make the NHL. And so you're sort of weighing those two and do, determining for yourself as an organization, which approach do you want to take? 
Um, at the highest level, of course, you're always trying to get NHL players, but sometimes prospects might have a bit more risk in terms of their likelihood of making the NHL, but also a bit more reward in terms of what type of player they become if they make the NHL. Do you ever have to stand up in that room and really pound the table for a guy? Because I, you know, I think you probably understand what I'm getting at. There's kind of that old guard where, you know, they look at a guy, they do the eye test, they say, this guy's not going to make it. You might look at some of those underlying factors and say, while some of the stuff that that you see might not be pretty, there is a lot of projectability here. Do you have to do that sometimes? Absolutely. And that's a normal part, part of the process. And it's not just for me. It's also for the regional scouts who are fighting for their players. Everyone has their preference on which direction to sort of go in. And so you try to passionately convey your sort of conviction. Um, but for me, I'm trying to build consensus when I'm trying to make some of these uh, debates, I guess. So, there's not a point in fighting for a prospect, no matter how much you want that prospect, if there's a clear, clear no coming from the scouts. Mm -hmm. But when there's more of an appetite for a particular player, but maybe there's a consideration of how much risk is involved here and so on and so forth, and the analytics can really back up that argument, make it really strong, and you can elevate a player considerably higher on your list. Um, there's definitely lots of good debates like that throughout the meetings. Um, no one's ever right is the, is the amazing <laughs> thing, right? It's always just opinions, strategies, and and seeing who's right five, 10 years later. I always find that process so interesting. And maybe it's because the average fan or even myself, an employee of the Blue Jackets, doesn't get to see that. You know, I think you you think about the movie Moneyball and you saw that scene where all the scouts are sitting around the desk and they're saying, well, this guy looks like a ball player. And Billy Bean's like, well, is he? Can he get on base? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think Blue Jackets fans actually got to see it a little bit last year and behind the battle. There were some mm -hmm. some shots and, and some moments of that debate um, prior to the David Juracek draft. So I guess that's a long way of me asking, how much do you enjoy that process? Because, well, there might be some debate and arguing. It seems like a lot of fun getting in that room and really trying to come to a consensus with people. And also, I, I don't know if people realize like how much scouts will fight for a player they believe in too. Yeah. That's one of the most fun parts of the process. Um, you work all year to get to that point. I mean, I sort of say the draft is sort of like prom. You're just celebrating, but the draft meetings is where the work's really being done in terms of building your list. And that's when you fight for your players. And it's a ton of fun, obviously, just because you have a bunch of people who are passionate, trying to debate their opinions in a strong way a lot of times and at the end of the, end of the meetings everyone can have a beer together and be friends there's not bad feelings or anything like that we're all on the same team we're all trying to make the blue jackets the best organization possible so we all have sort of our approaches to it and then at the end of the draft of, of the meetings we're all on the same page all right i want to ask you about a couple of guys in the blue jackets organization right now prospect wise because you think back to the last couple of drafts the blue jackets certainly were able to acquire high level talent at the very top, 2021, Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger. Then you get Corson Kuhlemans at 25th overall. Last year, David Juracek and Denton Matejchuk at number six and number 12, respectively. But you drop down to some of those later rounds and maybe a guy like Stanislav Svozil in the 2021 draft where some people thought he might be a late first round pick, but the Blue Jackets end up getting him in the third. Or last year, a player like Jordan mm -hmm. Dumay, where nobody knew where Jordan Dumay was going to go. And the Blue Jackets ended up getting him at the end of the third round. Are there some players in this organization that you really, really like their analytic profile, which is why they've ended up in this organization? 
Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with those two, especially, I mean, both great third round picks for us. I think that we got a ton of value with those selections. Um, in my opinion, we picked players who belonged at the end of the first round and the third round. And so anytime you can, you know, essentially get a first round pick in the third round, you're ecstatic and over the moon. Um, and it's not just about the profiles at the time they were drafted. Since they were drafted, they've also done the right things, taken the right steps to say that not only were they good value at the time, but in hindsight, it's also looking like maybe even better value. Um, I mean, suppose all everybody got to see what he was able to do um, this year in the WHL, putting up historic numbers and um, at the World Juniors as well. He was phenomenal. Um, Jordan Dumais, I mean, Quebec League MVP, 140 points. It's pretty much, um, it's, a, it's a pretty short list of players who've done things that Jordan Dumais has done and not turned out to have pretty good NHL careers. So both of them are really exciting prospects for us to have. When you talk about the projectability, like how do you do that? For a player like Jordan Dumais, do you look at comparables from his same age, you know, year by year by mm -hmm. year? Like he might look like this player. Some of the things look like player A, while some of the other things look like player B. Like how does that work? Yeah, that's the first step of it at a high level. At a high level, you sort of say, okay, we have a player who's five foot nine, he's undersized, um, he's a winger, he's a really prolific scorer let's look at other players who have similar sort of high level attributes to that and what they've gone on to do. And then you go, okay, great. It's a small list of players. They've done X, Y, or Z. Um, and then you try to narrow the scope even a little bit deeper. You've done the high level statistical sort of analysis, but now get into the individual of a player. What makes Jordan Dumais similar or different is an example towards some of his other comparable prospects. Um, with Dumais, one of the knocks on his game is skating um, or was skating. And I think he's improved his skating quite a bit this year. And so you're trying to look for other undersized players who may have struggled with their skating in the past and said, okay, well, if he doesn't fix his skating, is that a fatal flaw? Is it over for him in terms of his NHL prospects? Or if he does improve his skating, who are the other players who did improve their skating? And so it's a big mix of trying to consider all the available information and make the ultimate determination of, is this a player we want to have in our organization? Where are we comfortable taking him? How high is he on our list? Where do we see the value that maybe other teams are missing? Um, and one of the most important things that we do, we spend a lot of time on at our meetings is sort of breaking down the players that are easy to push down on your list, like the Jordan Dumais of the world, where you're always looking at prospects as the other guy, maybe is more likely to make the NHL. He has, you know, he has the size, the skating, and the attributes maybe not have the same feeling. And sort of really drilling into those prospects individually and not just sort of trends-wise, but really understanding those as the individual and just saying, is that a bet we want to make? After the Blue Jackets draft a guy, how much do you keep up with them analytically? Like, are you tracking everything Jordan Dumais is doing this season, tracking everything that Luca Del Belbaluz is doing this mm -hmm. season? How does that work? Um, to a lesser extent than I would in their draft years because okay. there's less of a importance of doing so, but I'm communicating with our player development staff, trying to see what they're seeing and trying to convey some of the information as well to help them if, if possible. Um, it's always fun to watch a player that you really fight for who ends up, you know, taking the next step and doing great things. You're, you're definitely paying attention to what's going on, but most of my focus is on what's next rather than what's happened in the past. All right. Fair enough. Do you... This might be an interesting question or a weird question, but when you see a team draft a player here, say that 
you know, there's a debate about who could go third overall and a team drafts this player third overall and he ends up not making it in the NHL. Do you ever have those moments where you're like, well, I could have told you that based off of the information that you have? Like, for example, I look at the 2017 draft. It's a really, really good draft at the top. Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick, Miro Heskinen, uh, Kale McCarr, Elias Pettersson. But maybe the best two guys from that draft and Kale McCarr and Elias Pettersson ended up going four and five overall. Do you know what I mean here? Like, when you see yeah, it somewhere, you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, there's definitely times where that happens, but there's also times where I would have said that and been wrong. And so I try not to be really <laughs> definitive in my opinions. Instead, what I'm trying to focus on is coming back to what I talked about earlier, which is really just what's the right spot for these players? What's the risk reward? What is the upside? What is our expected value? And so on. Um, trying to, uh, I think one of the biggest problems that happens at the draft isn't so much the scouting side is bad. I think by and large, you have amazing scouts populated throughout the entire NHL. Um, it's hard to gain an edge scouting-wise just because there's good scouts on every team. Where you can gain an edge or you can make mistakes, I think, comes down to the ranking side of things. So if you, like, almost every team might agree on the assessment of an individual player, but you might have them in very different spots of the draft because of your sort of strategy in terms of how you're going to rank prospects. And so that's really where I think the biggest difference lies. It's, wow, they drafted that player way too early. Not, I can't believe they drafted that player. He sucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all good players, all these players being picked. You look at the last couple of drafts for the Blue Jackets, how happy are you with the value that this organization was able to get? Because I've talked to Yarmo about it and talked to JD about it. Mm -hmm. They're very happy with, with how they've drafted the last couple of years. And it's easy to see why the Blue Jackets have one of the top ranked prospect bases in the entire National Hockey League. So from your perspective, are you pleased with how things have gone? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think I'm thrilled with the way we drafted over the last couple of years, especially we've taken some pretty big swings and they've paid off pretty well so far. Um, I think we have a pretty good appetite for risk, which also means we have a pretty good likelihood of reward on the other end of side, on the other end of things. So I think things are playing out pretty well and hopefully going to build off of that in this year's draft. We have some really high picks in the great draft um, and there's some really exciting prospects this year, especially in the later ends of the first round or the second round where we're picking as well, in addition to third. So it's an exciting draft again. Yeah, I want to ask you about this year's draft and nothing specific, but you just hinted at it right there. The strength of this draft, not just in the top five or the top mm -hmm. 10, but really to the bottom of the first round and into the second round. How do you think this draft compares to ones that you've really analyzed in the past? Because there is so much high end talent at the top. Yeah, and it's not only high end talent in this year's draft, there's a ton of depth in it as well. Um, and I think that you see that in terms of just prospects that might go 21st or 22nd overall, where we have another first rounder, um, could be a top 10 pick in another draft year. Um, and there might be a ton of differences between different teams' draft boards this year. And there's always differences, but this year, especially because of the depth of that first round, especially. Um, and then at the top of the draft, you have just a cohort of real high-end players. I mean, everyone talks about this as the Connor Bedard draft, and Bedard's an unbelievable prospect, but there's a, a handful of other really high-end prospects that um, get you really excited if you have the opportunity to pick them. Then that's what I want our fans to know. Obviously, everybody wanted that number one overall pick to end up with Connor Bedard here at Nationwide Arena, but no matter who's picking in that top five, you're going to get a very, very strong player, right? Yeah, and I mean, at third overall, I'm, I'm over the moon excited about the potential for player that we're going to add this year or so it's really exciting all right zach well that's all i got for you i really appreciate you taking the time to do this and i hope our fans enjoyed as well i learned a lot of stuff very <laughs> educational and 
Uh, I want to learn more about what you do for the Blue Jackets going forward as well. It's really interesting. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Dylan. Happy to share as much knowledge as I can when possible. All right. That is Zach Urbach. He is the Director of Hockey Analytics for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Pipeline Podcast presented by Ruoff Mortgage. Back to our pre-draft coverage next week. Until then, I'm Dylan Tyre saying thanks for being with us.